Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Overcoming Your Emotional Overeating. In today's episode, I talk about setting loving limits with your food. Limits are a topic that we're not usually taught when it comes to food, weight, or maybe even life. So take a listen and keep on learning. Working tonight with setting limits with your food. And this is a topic that I discovered many years ago in working in private practice. Um, We don't often talk about setting limits with their food. A lot of times people talk about setting limits in life. Um, I look at at setting limits as what we currently might call boundaries from a psychological term. Um, And I believe that setting boundaries in life or setting limits in life is very similar to setting limits in food. And um, we, we learn through trial and error um, about setting limits in life. And sometimes we have to learn about trial and error in setting limits in food. And I've come across in, in the last number of years, come across some excellent resources and ways to look at this um, and wanted to bring those to you tonight uh, as we go through our series on overeating and how to work with that, how to curtail it, change it, and transform it. Two weeks ago, I said if anybody needed to dive in further and wanted to do a lot of introspective work around their own habits, patterns, and behaviors with their overeating, on my uh, individual website, uh, I've had my private practice for 23 years and have had my website up for a number of years. Um, On my individual website, uh, there is a module. It's an eight week module or an eight session module that further gives you some insight and introspection around overeating that you can do with yourself. There's videos, there's audios, and there is written written and um, white paper workbook orientation in that module. That module um, used to run a lot higher price. We've actually, I worked with my web designer, he has lowered the price for me for, uh, for our patients here at IHC for the next two months down to $200 for that eight-session course. So if you choose to or you know anybody else that needs to choose that option for themselves or they can really dive in uh, with themselves and get some real kind of hand-holding through this eight-week module intensive course, please point them in that direction. Uh, it is www.empowermentcoaching international.com. You can also put capital E-C-I in and it will come up. Just look for my name. Some other companies have E-C-I, but look for uh, Wendy Francis, MSRD. So if anybody's interested in that, it is there as a tool or a resource for you you to use on the side of these calls as well. And we will keep that at a, a discounted rate for the next two months as we're going through and we're diving into overeating. So let's jump in and talk more about limits, limits with food, limits with life. Um, and when we really look at limits, we look, I like to look at them as the ability 
and structure to say yes or to say no to something. It's both, right? Because we have to have a limit to say no, and we also have to have a limit to say yes. There are the guidelines for our leisure, our luxury, our tasks, and they help us govern our time and our energy, and they can give us motivation, right, if you set your limits accordingly. Limits are also known as boundaries from a psychological perspective, and this is a term that I've really looked at with respect to food. You know, if we have a healthy relationship with our boundaries or our limits, it's very important. It really helps us give a structure in our lives. And as you find as we speak through tonight, you'll find how important I feel like it is for our food too. Limits in life can look like, you know, setting times for the amount of time we talk on the phone, the amount of time we might watch TV, or the amount of money that we spend. Now, some people talk about that as a budget, right, spending money in a budget term orientation. But budget really is a limit for our financial health, right? And so you might set, uh, look at other things with respect to their limit. Could be, um, you know, how much time you spend in the shower, how much time you spend getting ready in the morning. Those are all limits that we draw for ourselves based on specific actions or tasks. Now, limits don't exist just in life. They really do exist in the types of foods we eat, the amount of food we eat, and the where and the how of what we eat. I just feel like most people don't necessarily look at it in that perspective. So often, though, people, people don't see the perspective of eating related to boundaries or limits, but I really do. In my experience, you know, I can really see that limits with food and boundaries and limits with life can be congruent with each other. So, for example, if I, you know, and, and I've had this example come up a number of times, if I'm working with someone who has been uh, a people pleaser, somebody that likes to make everybody else happy and is constantly saying yes to other people, right? Yes, I'll help you. Yes, I'll go out with you. Yes, I'll do this for you. Yes, I'm glad to do that for you. I'll find that their limits or their boundaries with food are yes-oriented as well. It's difficult for them to say no to specific foods, specific quantities, or specific times of eating. Same thing as they do in their life. Conversely, I've also worked with clients who have uh, more of a no-limit orientation. So they say no to a lot of people in their life, no to the love in their life, no to the intimacy in their life, no to connection in their life, and they say no to a lot of nurturing foods. So I do find the congruency between limits in life and limits in food or boundaries in life and boundaries in food could mean that, you know, another kind of common piece that happens with limits is, well, I just take one bite and then I can't stop or I just eat one candy and then I can't stop because I've blown it. So what that is, it's an all or nothing limit or an all or nothing boundary. And a lot of people pick up that boundary piece in their food. It can also come out for people in their life too, maybe in spending, um, you know, that, that somebody goes on a shopping spree, they don't just go out and buy one blouse, but they, they might buy, you know, 10 different items. Um, it might come, come up in finances in different ways or potentially in other arenas. So 
those limits, and if you look at how you set your food structure up, that's where you can begin to tell where is my limit structure? How do I set my limits? Because there really are types of limits. Um, and I feel like so often we don't necessarily get a sense of what our type of limit is, um, how we set our own internal limits. We do have external limits that are set for us, right? And a lot, a lot of times we don't have a say in those necessarily. And that could be the time that you go to work, the time that you come home, could be the, the who, what, when, where, why, and how of your day at work, potentially, right? Those might all be limits. Um, but the type of limits that I'm talking about are the limits that are internally guided, the ones that you have 100% say over, or at least let's say a 90% threshold. So if we're looking at types of limits, there's three really that come up. One type of limit that comes up regularly or a way that a person sets a limit is by using a punitive limit or a punitive boundary. And this is probably very, what I see very common in food orientation. And what we do with that is, so, so a punitive limit would look something like, you know, punishing yourself if there are, uh, if you've overeaten. Um, and I may not need punishing yourself, uh, you know, grounding yourself, but it might mean that if I eat this, then I'm not going to, you know, I won't, uh, I'll go back on the diet tomorrow. If I eat this, I'll go out for a run. If I eat this, then I'll do that. So it's a punitive consequence behavior orientation. And with that, there can be a lot of underlying things that come up for the individual. Could be anger, could be sadness, could be frustration, could be fear. And so understanding what comes up for that punitive limit is important for you to understand how it affects you because a lot of times with punitive limitations, and we can see this with children, right? If you give too much punishment and too many consequences, you'll get rebellion. And I find so often that if people are only using punitive limits, there's a lot of rebellion. So we'll talk more about that in a second. Secondarily, the second type of limit that people set with food in particular is a neutral limit. Now, neutral limits come from things, uh, let's just say, for example, an athlete. Um, they have a sense of how much they need to eat for their training, right? So it might look something like, you know, I need to get 30 grams of carbohydrates before I exercise tonight. And so I just need to eat this in order for my body to run efficiently. Now, I call that a neutral limit because it's really based on functionality. There is no emotion to it. There's no background to it. It's just based on fact and figure, so to speak. That's a neutral limit. All right? So if we look at that with food, it's just I need to eat this to get the result that I want. And there's no emotion underlying that at all. Third type of limit. And this is a limit I don't hear as often in food, which is so interesting to me, because primary, one of the primary roles of food is nurturance, but one of the ways we set limits is with punishment. The reality is, is there actually is a term called a loving limit. And when we look at loving limits, this looks like a nurturing limit. So it might mean, uh, you know, if an individual, like if you're on a plan, let's say, and your friend is having a piece of chocolate, 
So it might not mean that you say to yourself, oh, I'm so bad and I can't do this and, you know, kind of build up in that way. But it might be saying, you know what, I know she's having that and that looks really good. I know that I'm trying to change my body right now and I can have this another time. So realistically supporting and loving and setting a limit where you are right now. No, I'm not going to have it. And yes, that might make me a little bit sad right now, but I also know that I can have that another time when I get my body where I want it to go, where I feel good about where I'm at or where I have more energy, right? So I can have it another time. It's not a forever thing, right? And so, and allowing yourself to hear your emotions around that is also really nurturing. And that's really important. In fact, um, in Laura Mellon, Laura Mellon is a fairly well-known dietitian. She's got uh, some graduate degrees in some other arenas like psychology. She has an excellent book out there called The Solution. And uh, some, of her solu- some of her book is a little bit more cognitive behavioral based. But I do like how she talks about what's called the limits cycle. And when it looks, when we talk about your food and setting limits in your food, it is really important to start to write down what you think or how you set limits so that you can start to go through a step process to really understand how you set them and how you can begin to start thinking differently about how you set the limits. So if we look at the limits cycle, I'm going to give you an example because the three things you're going to look for is your expectations, your thinking, and then what she calls the essential pain, which to me just means, okay, like what's going to happen when you do this, when you follow this through. So, for example, if somebody is having a thought, right, trying to set a limit, saying, you know what, I'm going to stick to this plan right now, and then a feeling comes up, I'm angry that I can't eat whatever I want. Okay, which is a common thing. Again, setting a loving limit doesn't mean you give in to the limit. It means you hear how you feel and you nurture that and support it. So if you look at the expectation behind that limit, so the expectation is are my expectations reasonable? And the truth is no. Few people can eat whatever they want, which is really true, right? So I'm angry that I can't eat whatever I want. Well, not, ever, not, not many people can eat whatever they want all the time. One, because if everybody ate what they wanted to all the time, we might not feel very good a whole lot, <laughs> right? So what's reasonable? And if you look at what's reasonable versus what we expect, what's reasonable is to lose weight or to change your body, we have to make some change. So it's just about changing things. It's not about a never again. It's not about you can't eat anything you want, right? It's just not eating everything you want all the time or eating whatever you want all the time, right? So what do you expect? Then what are you thinking, right? So she looks at expectations, thinking, and pain. What am I saying to myself? And so with this limit, right, and the feeling of anger, it's saying I'll be miserable if I can't eat whatever I want. So the truth is, if we really feel like that and we really bring that to truth, will we feel positive or powerful in what we're doing now? And the, the truth is no, right? So if you look at what you can eat, 
right? Instead of focusing on what you can't eat, just by changing that limit, okay, so what can I eat, right? And I know that I might be angry if I can't eat whatever I want, but really what can I eat right now, right? So understanding that there's lots of healthy foods that you do enjoy and you can handle it, right? And we don't always get everything that we want in life, just like we don't always get everything we want in food. And so sometimes it's eating for just sustenance and knowing that that, in fact, is okay. Just like in life, we do the same thing sometimes. So thirdly, looking at the essential pain behind that, and this is a term, uh, you know, I kind of go back and forth with, but just you can kind of hear what it means. So if you look at this uh, limit, I'm angry that I can't eat whatever I want, and that feeling's coming up for someone when they're hearing limits, and then there's a rebound effect to it. So it might mean what's the essential pain, and that essential pain is that I can't lose weight unless I'm willing to eat differently. And there's a lot of feelings that can come up for people with that. It could mean anger. It could mean sadness. It could be fear. It could be frustration. Um, I mean, I guess the list can go on and on realistically. Um, lots of times feelings will come up for people, especially if they're on a plan for longer and longer. And the truth is, instead of squelching those feelings in a punitive way, you can actually, one, hear the feelings and get a sense of, do you feel angry? Do you feel frustrated? Do you feel sad? And you can still feel those feelings and not act out in your food. And that, for a lot of people, I have found is that milestone to change their patterns forever. That's a forever change. Because what happens so often for people is they feel a feeling, and if they have an emotional connection to food, they take it out in their food immediately. Because the feeling feels so bad, they want to get rid of it. And sometimes the feeling feels so bad, and they want to get rid of it, and they jump right back more into guilt and shame, which doesn't help anything from a cognitive perspective, but it's a cycle they've been used to doing. So, and the truth is, if you stay with that feeling, feelings that eventually fade they change, they subside if you let them. It's like an ocean, a wave, a feeling. Feelings are not emergencies, they're emotions. They come and go, they ebb and flow. So if you're feeling angry in the moment because you can't eat something, if you just hang with that feeling, if you can say it out loud or you can write it down, it allows you to really start to bring the cognitive part of your brain in and for those of you that have been following me on the brain series, if you can bring your cognitive brain back into the mix when it comes to this ping pong that's going on, because what happens with what we're talking about, setting the limits, feeling these feelings, it's boom, 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 and you're right back in your primal brain, jumping into fight or flight, and then jumping into that food, and that can lead to an overeating cycle. So if you can say it out loud or you can write it down, I'm angry because I can't eat this right now, you'll get a sense of just bringing your cognitive brain back because the truth is, okay, I can't eat it right now, but I can eat it another time. Right now, my eating is focused around something different. And that's where the loving limit comes into play. So everyone on the call, for those of you who really want to do some introspective learning around your own eating patterns, take a look this week at how you set limits with your food. Are they punitive? Are they neutral? Are they loving? How does it work for you? Does it work in a positive way? Does it work? Does it help you? 
or does it work in a negative way? In overeating, I find that there's an emphasis on the punitive and the neutral, but rarely does that person have the ability in the past to set loving limits with their food, to just say this is for the now and this can be different in the future. And hearing the emotion behind that, it's more of a stuffing of the emotion. And that can keep the guilt and shame cycle embedded. So looking at how you set your limits, looking at does it, how it benefits you or how it doesn't benefit you, and then how it may relate to your overeating patterns is what I want to challenge everybody to do this next week because this is key and this is essential to the underlying feelings that come up for people when they can't eat certain foods. And Melody Beattie, for any of you that, that don't know her, she is an excellent writer and has some great books out there. Um, she gave a great quote, and it says, guilt can prevent us from setting the boundaries that would be in our best interest and in other people's best interest. So tonight more on limits and boundaries within our own interests and our own introspection. But I think that she gives a clear-cut example of how boundaries not only help us, but they can help others in our world too. If we know what kind of limits to set and how to set them around food, you can also translate that into your life. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend, rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.